Hello and welcome to episode 36 of Be The Drop, a weekly podcast that investigates the art of communication, specifically storytelling in today's digital world. I'm Amelia Veal and I believe that stories can evoke powerful emotions, inspire change and motivate action. By interviewing a wide range of people who have built engaged communities, I investigate and share the secrets to great communication. In today's episode, I delve into the world of theatre with playwright Sally Hardy, owner of the theatre company Free Range Theatrix. Sally is currently immersed in the final stages of production for the play she wrote called Gone Viral for the upcoming Dream Big Children's Festival. Sally talks us through the steps involved in professionally producing a play about earning the respect of the artistic community and she reveals how storytelling is her saviour. This is Sally's version of Be The Drop. Thank you so much for joining me, Sally, Pleasure. here in the theatre at Flinders University. It's Matthew Flinders Theatre, is that it right? It is, that's right, yes. And Flinders are helping us out greatly with our current productions. So, yes, yeah. it is. And it's so nice to be in a theatre space as we talk to you about your play and what's about to happen with it. But before we get into that, I know you've brought along your item of significance. I have. Which is something that connects you with your community. So I was wondering if you could tell us that story. Absolutely. So I've got, it's a very unglamorous looking paper bag. But in this bag, and this isn't, I have multiple bags like this at home, all full of, um, of, of scribbled notes, and I always have pen and paper on me wherever I am. And even before I realised that I was going to be a writer, I was compulsively writing. And basically, I think it was a form of um, therapy because I have, I've always felt very, my emotions really, really strongly, good and bad, you know, um, and whether I'm feeling incredibly happy or incredibly sad, I find it sometimes hard to deal with it. So I was, even as a child, I would have to write it down. When, as soon as I wrote it down, it would just take me back to a kind of a nice, happy, normal place. And that started off as something I just did instinctively. And now I realise it's absolutely part of the process of what I do. And I think being so in touch with getting my feelings out and into words is probably how I do connect with my community. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, fabulous. So you've basically got piles of books and notes everywhere. You've got one by your bed as well? I have one by my bed, yes. Um, I have then, and I've got them in multiple locations, so I'm not always, it's not like I have one that I'm using all the time at, at the moment, I just have. And I also write on the back of shopping receipts and then I have to keep those somewhere, you know. <laughs> <laughs> bus tickets, that sort of thing. Not that I catch the bus anymore, but when I was, when I was a student, you know, that's cool. Right, and so all of these, you know, words and feelings and thoughts that you're flowing out into these various books, do you go back through them? What happens Sometimes I do, sometimes I do. I mean, actually, when I was looking at this to bring today, it really reminded me of, of what a dark patch I went through at one stage, you know, sort of when I was in my early adult life. I, and I it genuinely probably, you know, kept me on a, on a reasonably um, sane path, I think, being able to write about it. Um, sometimes it's really valuable to have such a vivid record of the way I felt at that time. Because I think your feelings about everything when you're a young adult or a child are so much more intense. It's not that we don't still feel those feelings as adults, but we've sort of learned to put them in perspective. Mm. But the first time you're heartbroken or the first time you lose someone or the first time you're in love, all those sorts of things, 
you feel it so intensely and sometimes as an adult you forget that and you expect children and, and teenagers to cope with things and react to things in such a mature you know, fashion that we do. Yeah, I often think to. that we're expecting our children to respond with an adult lens, but yeah, their lens absolutely. is very different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I mean I can be quite childish anyway at times, so that helps me write for children, but yeah, oh. that also helps having all that, yeah. Great, yeah. well, so you've got, you know, lots of thoughts and feelings that you're, you know, flowing out onto the page. And then connecting with your community, you mentioned that. So perhaps you can explain a little bit about who your community is, because I know mm -hmm. from previous conversations that it's quite diverse and you've got a, a varied community. Yeah, absolutely. So I suppose well, I'm, most people who um, have a creative profession tend to multitask because it's difficult to make a living doing just one thing. But predominantly, I am a playwright. But I also, um, I also run um, classes for um, preschoolers in creative play and drama I've, and have done um, drama classes for school-aged and teenage children. Um, I've written a book. Um, I've sometimes dabbled in music. I work a little bit um, just very recently doing some work with a film and television production company. Um, but I think pr probably I would say my community is anybody who goes to the theatre um, who listens to stories um, and there's a certain theatre community, certainly in Adelaide, there's a strong community of people who always go to the theatre and so they're your community. But then each show or each play has a story or a message and touches upon issues that affect people throughout the community. So every time somebody puts on a company or a person puts on a play, then it's going to, yes, it will draw in the people from the theatre community, hopefully, because that's what they do. They go and support each other's work, which is wonderful. But you're always hoping to reach out further into the community. So the play that we've got coming up, Gone Viral, uh, which will be in the Dream Big Children's Festival, that is a play about a 17-year-old girl whose father's dying of cancer. She has to deal with everything that a 17-year-old has to deal with and there's a lot of tricky things happening for her at school. But then on top of that, like sort of as an undercurrent, she's got this terrible situation at home. And so the community for this play, I suppose, is young people dealing with the stuff you have to deal with at high school. It's parents of young people who, who want to get a kind of a more insider's view of what their teenager is going through. And it's anyone who's been touched by cancer or, or really by illness or... Um, or grief, you know. Mm. So there, the community kind of is has little fingers everywhere. Yeah. Mm. And obviously, with a play, there's quite a process to go through from your writing and crafting of that story to you know this point now where you're about to, um, you know, the production's about to go on during the Dream Big Festival. Yeah. Throughout that process, what are the different communities, and how do you move through those? Right. Well, that's a really good question, and this has been the most profound um, experience because it's my first time produ as producer of a fully professional production. I've produced my own work before, but always on a more independent level, or I've had other people produce my work in a professional level. Um, and I've really been an eye-opening uh, experience for me to see how much is involved. So first of all, the very first step is to find um, somebody who wants to um, collaborate with you because you can't possibly do it on your own and I was really um, thrilled that Tiffany Lindell Knight wanted to direct the play. I, I knew her, we'd met actually through my our children's school and um, she's an amazing actor and um, and quite an experienced director but she's probably in the same situation as I am as a producer where this is my first professional production. This is her first professional directing thing so we were very much at the same um, 
level of wanting to, you know, step up. And she responded really well to the script and knew of this wonderful actor, um, Yvonne McCauley, who was a recent graduate of the drama program here at Flinders. And Yvonne um, had really sadly been through almost exactly what this um, main character is going through, um, in that she had lost her mum. She, her mum was diagnosed with cancer when she was, um, when, when Yvonne was 17, so she, when she was near 12. Um, and then she lost her mum when she was in her final year of university. So Tiffany said, look, Yvonne may or may not be interested in, in dealing with this, this subject matter, but it, I think it will really resonate with her. Maybe you want to see if she wants to read the play. And then I saw Yvonne perform and she was wonderful. So I sent her the play. She responded beautifully. Uh, she, she really connected with the material and, and luckily she felt like it was authentic. You know, the last thing you'd want is for someone who's in that situation to read it and, and feel like, um, Oh, that's not what it's like, you know. Um, but luckily, she yeah, she felt like no, this is this is important because this is what I went through and this is what other people go through, but no one has put it into words in this way. Um, so then we had a creative team essentially, um, and then you need some money, <laughs> and you need somewhere to put it on, and the most uh, obvious kind of and ideal place for us to produce it was, was this festival, um, which has always been called the Come Out Festival for the last 40 years, but this year changed its name to Dream Big Children's Festival. So over a year and a half, I've um, applied and sometimes had to apply twice to the same place because I'd come this close and not get it the first time and then have to get it again, to Art South Australia, so we have um, support from them, uh, the Australia Council for the Arts, the Adelaide City Council, and brilliantly Brink Productions, which is an amazing theatre company here in Adelaide who I've always just looked up to and, and sort of thought, wouldn't it be wonderful one day if I could um, work with them or even, you know, get to meet them. And now mm. they're presenting partners with, with this show, um, and which means that um, we've had so much help um, just in terms of advice. They've, they have contributed financially, which is wonderful, but also just the invaluable thing has been pr production advice to me and um, and uh, Chris Drummond, who's their artistic director, is there as a, as a kind of an, ad an ear or a word of advice if, if Tiffany needs it from a director's perspective, although mm. she's very capable without that, obviously, yeah. Oh. Uh, and Pembroke School also has contributed money, yeah. Wow, yeah. so you obviously do have quite a detailed community and, you know, there's, that's a long process. You're talking a couple of years yeah. over that time yeah. to build and bring together this community. How have you maintained and motivated the different groups throughout this process? There's not a financial incentive as such. I have to be driven by the, um, have to be driven by the really compulsion to tell this story and, and need to really truly feel like it's important. And then if I've succeeded in doing that, then that is what motivates the others. And, and I have been so like, um, humbled and grateful by the way as people have come into the project, they've then taken that and, and, and taken that message out themselves and brought more support in because they feel really passionately about the subject matter and, and about the way we're going about it. I'm really interested in, in what are the different things that motivates people to take action. And, mm -hmm. and you know, obviously you're saying it's, it's not a, a clear financial game in this process, but it's that, is it a common thread of, of story and people yeah, coming together yeah. and support. Yeah, um, for me, me personally, yeah, it's 
it's story. Um, and I don't tend to want to write a story unless it's moved me. Um, it can be funny. Um, and even this play, whilst it's about something which is really tragic, has, has quite a lot of humour in it. Um, which I think is the way we deal with tragedy in real life. Um, at least a little bit, we try to find the, the happiness and the humour around things. Um, but yes, it's absolutely, it's the story. And I think if I ran out of things that I just felt I have no choice, I have to tell the world this, then I'd probably stop being a writer. I feel like I have no choice, which yeah. is what I have to do. Yeah. yeah, I like that statement. I feel like I have no choice. And then, but I think the interesting thing is you've then inspired that in others because you know they've got it then got to come on board and you've got you know tiffany you've mentioned and yep. the different groups yep so we've got a, um catherine sproul who's a fantastic um set and costume designer callan fleming's a sound designer and composer and matt ralph is our um lighting designer so yeah they all have to kind of come on board and um and what do you think it is? Is there a common theme that's motivating everyone? So for you, it's storytelling. Do you think that's common across the board? I think it's part of it for everybody, absolutely. I think it's probably why if you're a designer, why you're drawn to, say, set design rather than interior design, because they're both using really similar skills, but one is um, telling a story. The other one, you know, perhaps you're drawn to the that love of creating an atmosphere. It might be the reason someone goes into interior design, but there's something really strong in, in as somebody who's drawn into theatre, I think that connects with story, absolutely. So I think everybody feels like they're part of something bigger than themselves, yeah. Yeah, yes, and that, that feeling, and, and that's a really interesting statement there, to feel something, you know, part of something bigger than themselves. Do you think that translates to the audience? Yeah, and I think sometimes people are unprepared for that when they come to the theatre, because I don't think, I mean, I'm, I've sort of grown up going to the theatre, but I know that's not the common, Thing. People might go to one or two things. They might go to Cats when it when it's here, or Matilda's coming up. And most people who can afford to go to Matilda will go to Matilda if they can, because everyone knows it's amazing. Lots of people don't always go to the theatre, and I think it's often quite a shock for them how much they're affected by having a live performance done well right in front of their eyes. It's very human, you know, and it goes back thousands of years, obviously, probably to the first time humans were speaking to each other. They would have been telling stories, and um, it does connect somewhere deep inside in a way that watching television, not that television, good television can move you, absolutely, but it's just a different, it's a different experience because it's right there, you're part of a collective experience. And, and, and then the kind of transference of ideas out, you know, someone else might go do something in their work that has something to do with the thoughts they had whilst having seen the play, mm. hopefully. hopefully. Yeah. yeah, great. Yeah. Has there been challenges along the way and what are the biggest roadblocks to go from writing a play to getting it onto stage? Yes, there, is, there are many, many challenges. Um, this, this feels like the culmination of many years hard work for me in that I have produced my own work before and I have worked with other companies um, where I've had uh, less input than I have now. Um, and it's really just a matter of gradually proving yourself to the community in terms of the, the funding bodies and to the artistic community whose respect you kind of need to have their support. Some for some people that happens really early. I mean, some people will have a big break with their first production. Um, I kind of did a bit of a zigzaggy path dabbling in acting and illustration and music and other things as well. So I've, I've taken maybe a longer road to, to get to where I am now, um, but the roadblocks, I guess, are finding that team of people, especially a team of people with the same level of passion for the project as you have. If you can find those peers 
and move up together, you can support each other and help each other mm. get a lot further a lot quicker. Mm. So collaboration. Absolutely, collaboration, yeah. I mean, if you're just sitting at home writing a play in absolute isolation and you don't go and see other people's work and you don't get a sense of who else is directing and designing at the same time, um, then when you want to go and find people to put on your play, it's going to be really hard. Not impossible. I'm sure there are people that do that, that maybe there's, they can give you a story and say, well, that's how they did this. But I think it'd be really, really mm. hard and lonely. I think the haphazard nature of a career in the arts is something that only other artists truly understand. Because even people that have been doing it longer than you, who have won millions of awards and who you've always looked up to, you talk to them and it's like, yeah, it's still pretty hard. You still don't know necessarily where the funding for the next production will come from or whether you will have another, where the next job will come if you're a freelancer, you know. And mm. obviously you eke out a living, it works in the end, but it's quite stressful. You've mm. always got to be looking for your opportunities and, you know, you've got to have other things bubbling away while you're working on something so that when this one finishes, you're not starting from scratch. Yeah, so there's yeah. a bit of juggling involved. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're communicating these messages, so for example, um, you know, communicating and getting involved with, with the festival and this play. What sort of platforms are you using? How are you talking about it? How are you spreading this message? Uh, I'm part of the Australian Writers Guild, which is a professional um, industry peak body for writers for film and television and theatre. And we have lots of events throughout the year where you're meeting people who might have just written their very first thing and haven't had anything done with it yet, right through to people who are working in Hollywood and, and in Australia simultaneously. Um, and mixing with other people in the industry, both further up the ladder than you and, and further behind is incredibly helpful and, and inspiring. Mm. Um, and people, yeah, there's all sorts of advice you'll and, and contacts you'll make in that way that you probably wouldn't. And so the, the play itself, does it have a, plat a platform are you using? Yep, so I've got, um, there's a Facebook page for the play called Gone Viral by Sally Hardy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also the hashtag for Instagram, um, Gone Viral by Sally Hardy. And um, my company, Free Range Theatrics, has a page, and um, I, so yeah, so using both all of those yep. those three. And so, is Facebook for you the biggest platform that you're using? It is, um, but that's probably that may be slightly old-fashioned of me. I'm not sure. Is that the <laughs> <laughs> well? It really depends. But it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, you're saying that your cast is using Instagram, yeah. So you've got that mix, but uh, you know. And, you know, the, for the audience, you know, they're potentially a younger audience as well. So That's right. And I think we do need to have both. Yeah. yeah. But I think the audience, well, we've actually, we've sold out all of our school's performances, which is brilliant. So what we really um, need to focus on now is bringing in, reminding people that whilst the characters are young, uh, 17, it's not a play for children. In fact, it's actually not suitable for young children. Mm. It's a minimum age of, of 12. Um, but I think it's equally important for adults and for young adults. Yeah. So we're, we're sort of focusing our marketing now to the, to the general public audiences, which are over the weekend performances. And that's harder. That, and actually it's an age group that doesn't go to the theatre as much, you know, so, yeah. yeah. Right, so that's your focus. For yeah, that. that's our focus at the moment, yeah. yeah. So. Thank you so much for joining me, Absolute Sally. pleasure. It was lovely to talk to you. It's been yeah. so great. But I'd like to conclude with you sharing Sally's Be The Drop tip. Sure. So that is your top communication tip. Okay. I guess my Be The Drop tip from my experience would be to be authentic in how you communicate and what you communicate. So I, nothing 
that I've ever written that goes well has ever come from trying to be clever or trying to say something that I think people will be interested in. I was always, I have occasionally done that because I thought that's what I should do. Never works. It always works when you write something that's absolutely authentic and is based on real feelings and, and real observations that you've made. So, um, so that's in terms of the actual writing and then in communicating that or marketing that, I just think you need to tap into that same authenticity. You need to find that kind of core message that really resonated with you and then put that out to, to, uh, to inspire other people to get on board. Yeah. yeah, great. So know your message and sing it loud and clear. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Be The Drop Podcast. Be sure to subscribe in iTunes or your favourite podcast app. Leave us a review or share with someone who is looking to improve their communication. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at B underscore the underscore drop or visit our website narrativemarketing.com.au and click on the podcast tab. If you or somebody you know embodies Be The Drop, Email us via podcast at narrativemarketing.com.au. New episodes are released each Monday, so make sure you don't miss out by checking in every week.